Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he is the vine, we are the branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. He is the vine, we are? Keep that picture in your mind. Those who remain in me, remember, he's the vine, we are the? Those who remain in me and I in them will produce a little bit of fruit. Hold on. Oh, you guys have the Bible version of the Bible. Will produce much fruit. I want you to examine your life and are you as the branches producing much fruit. If you are not producing a ton of fruit for Jesus, it's possible you're not as connected to the vine as you think you is. Because if you are connected to the vine, you will produce much fruit. If you think you're connected to the vine and you're not really producing fruit, keep reading. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who doesn't remain in Jesus is thrown away and is like a useless branch that just withers. These branches are gathered into a pile and they're burned. Everybody thinks that Jesus is all cupcakes and rainbows and sunshine and happiness. Jesus is pretty savage for the people that are not connected to him. And I think he's talking to church people, religious people, those that say that they follow Jesus but they don't produce much fruit. I don't think he's talking about lost people. I think he's talking to us, that we would examine ourselves. Are we really producing much fruit? Now, when you picture the vine that Jesus is talking about, you just maybe even close your eyes if you're like a visual imagination. I should speak more because I didn't get those words out right. You're picturing this vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. We are the branches on that vine. Are you picturing like some little thin, weak, scraggly little old vine with like one little tiny cluster of like moldy raisin grapes just kind of dangling off there? I doubt it because you're picturing the Jesus vine. The Jesus vine is this like strong, vibrant, thick, practically tree vine and it just goes in every direction all around the world and it's got these huge bunches of like this giant grapes is all bunched together and they're hanging in clusters all over the place. As far as the eye can see, there's life on Jesus' vine. There's strength in Jesus' vine. It's not some little limp-wristed sissy vine. It's like the Jesus vine. And I think that too many people struggle in their Christian life because they're not really connected to Jesus. They just say they are. Or they're barely hanging on. They're like one little lone sorry-looking raisin grape just dangling there off the vine. But see, that's not how grapes grow. God created us to be in a cluster. God created us to be connected to one another and connected to him. Yes, we personally draw our life from Jesus, but we, we create much fruit when we're interconnected as a big old cluster. We, we produce much fruit in the community when we do this thing together. Being a part of a healthy church is something that's bigger than ourselves. And this is where I start talking about how much I love the church and the body of Christ and how you need to be plugged into the church. And people are like, well, you know, I love God and all. I just just don't like the church. So I do my own thing at home. Listen, 
and this is, I'm being serious. I'm sorry that a church leader hurt you at some time in your life. But the church didn't hurt you because the church belongs to Jesus, and Jesus didn't hurt you. Somebody in the church hurt you, and I'm very, very sorry about that, but you have been carrying this offense against the church for so long. Wouldn't today be a great day to put that down and stop carrying that heavy burden because the Lord has set a race before you, and you're not able to run that race when you're being bogged down with this pain and unforgiveness that you're carrying from a church leader from years and years and years ago? Did you notice that I said Jesus called it my church? It's his church. That comes from Matthew chapter 16. Jesus took the boys on a field trip up to the north of Israel, and they came to the district of Caesarea Philippi. And he came in this area. He looked at the disciples, and he said, hey, y'all, who are people saying that the Son of Man is? They said, oh, well, um, some say John the Baptist. Other people say Elijah, even though he's been dead for 500 years. Maybe Jeremiah or some other prophet that's kind of been reborn. Jesus looked at him at Uncommon Church on August 14th, 2022, and he said, look at my face. Who do you say that I am? Examine your own heart. Who do you say that Jesus is? And it was Simon Peter. I love Peter and his big mouth. I can, I bet Peter did a 40-day words fast one time. I, 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 can, I can commiserate with Peter. He looked at Jesus and he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, bar Jonah. Because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, it was my Father in heaven that revealed this to you. And I'm going to tell you what, Peter, on this rock, on that revelation that Jesus is Messiah, I will build my church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And in my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I have a few thoughts about this portion of Scripture, but i got to move quickly. The church belongs to Jesus. It is his church. I, this particular church, uncommon church, Josie and I oversee this thing, but this is not Brad and Josie's church. It's Jesus' church. And, oh, you want to clap? Clap. Knock yourself out. I'm going to move quick. You're going to clap. You've got to clap faster than that. Everything was predicated on the revelation. People are like, I don't know, maybe you're John the Baptist, uh, maybe you're Jeremiah, maybe you're a prophet, I don't, I don't, we don't really know who you are. And it was Peter that goes, you're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for for a thousand years. You are the son of the living God. And it was on that revelation that Jesus is like, yep, I can build something on that. That message, that rock, that revelation, I'm gonna build my church. I think we all need a fresh revelation that Jesus is our Messiah, that there would be no fear, there would be no shrinking back, there would be no sin. We would only be advancing and taking ground because every day we wake up and go, Jesus is my Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. In Him, I can do anything because nothing is impossible for God. And because if we're not careful, we'll actually take Jesus for granted. We'll turn him into some sort of religious icon. We'll turn him into some sort of cultural thing that we do. Jesus is something we add to our lives. No, Jesus is our life. He is our everything. So I think we need to press into Jesus and this revelation that he is Savior. Like we got born again yesterday, that we would fall in love with Jesus all over again, that we would fan the flame in our hearts of our first love in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that passion in our hearts the power of hell is real and is trying to silence that. There's nothing more than the devil wants than to shut down and silence the church, to destroy the church, to disband 
the church. So I'm telling you, in my personal opinion, we need church more now than ever before in history. But I also say this, for a, a, a church body that, that is truly connected to the vine, that is connected to Jesus, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said, the gates of hell. Think about a gate. A gate is defensive. Gates don't advance onto the battlefield. Gates are this thing that holds back and protects the stronghold. So it's the church that is advancing and pushing back against the gates of hell in our community, destroying works of darkness. In our Church is not a person. Church is a moving, advancing army that is taking back ground and pushing against the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not destroy it. Which makes us think, church is not like one person. Church is all of us. Go back to the first illustration. He is the vine, we are the branches, this church is a cluster of grapes, all interconnected one to another. That's one illustration. Another illustration that we're going to get into is that the church is a body of interconnected cells. Paul told the church in Ephesus this. He said, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He's made him the head. I want you to remember that illustration. Jesus is the head over all things for the benefit of the church. So I am actually not the head of this church. Jesus is the head of this church. Verse 23, and the church is his body. The church is the body of Jesus on the earth. And it is, this is a verse that's going to like melt my face off a little bit. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Jesus fills this church with himself. This Church is the body of Jesus. He is the head. We're his hands and feet in the mid-cities. And if you've ever watched like a gangster movie where they like cut off somebody's pinky until they talk or something, right? I don't watch those movies. I prefer rom-coms. Josie likes those blood and gore and it's gross. <laughs> if you cut off a pinky and you mail it to the mob boss, the pinky's going to die. Why will the pinky die? It has been disconnected from the body. And a healthy body is made up of healthy cells that are interconnected one to another. If you disconnect yourself from the body, you will die. Which is why Jesus is saying, dude, you got to remain in me if you want to produce much fruit. Can we go back to that one verse that's still kind of messing with me a little bit? Jesus is the head, we are the body, and we are made full and complete in him. If you're looking for a verse to memorize, that would be a good one. I am made full and complete in Christ. I know that I'm talking about the importance of church and the importance of community, but as I was researching this thing, and I have another verse that I want to take a rabbit trail. It has nothing to do with this message, but I, I, it's just messing with my head. And I can't really call it a rabbit trail because in a minute there's going to be slides up. So it was like a pre-planned rabbit trail. It's like a message within a message. It's like a little Russian doll. Of, what God's about to do. And this next verse that I'm going to read you messes with my head. I struggle with this verse being in the Bible because although I embrace this verse because I embrace all of it, we're going to do what's in the book from Genesis to Revelation. This verse is not yet fully realized in my life. Paul was just talking a minute ago in Ephesians chapter 1. He wrote this church, this letter to the church in Ephesus. He said, hey, we are the body of Christ Jesus is the head. All of us are made completely full and complete in Jesus. Peter writes this letter, 
And he says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it's by his divine power that God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. And that word know that he used is to coming to know him, knowing Jesus personally, intimately. Because he is the one who has called us. Jesus has called each of us unto himself by the means of his glorious power and excellence. Here's where things are going to start to get weird. Because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. How many of you know that God is a promise keeper? He's not going to make a promise and not, not keep it. You ready? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption that is caused by human desire. We learn from the letter to the Ephesians, we are Jesus' body, he makes us full and complete, and then Peter is explaining how that happens. He's taking it on the inside, and he says we share in Jesus' divine, his godly nature, and we escape the world's corruption. What does this mean? Fully? I have no idea. I looked it up and cross-referenced it in Greek. I read this in three or four different translations. To fully understand this, I do not know. But in part, here's what I have received from this. That if we share in the divine nature of God, we can heal the sick in Jesus' name. We can multiply food in Jesus' name if we need to. We can cast out demons in Jesus' name. We can raise the dead in Jesus' name. It's an invitation into this very intimate and personal relationship with God as Father that Jesus had as Son. Why? Because that was a part of his divine nature on the earth is that every day Jesus sought the intimate connection with the Father. We're invited into that to share in his divine nature. Jesus was human and was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, but he did not sin. What does that mean? If we share in his divine nature and we have escaped this world's corruptions and human desires, it means we don't have to sin. The longer we walk with God, we should sin less and less. If, if we go from glory to glory, it means when you're a brand new baby Christian, you might still sin a little. But the longer you walk with the Lord, you get to a place where you rarely to never ever sin. Does that sound bananas? Why? We share his divine nature. I don't know about you, but like if people come over and you've made one dessert for everybody, and then like some extra people came over, but it's time to start sharing the dessert, and I'm the one cutting the dessert pieces, look at me. I do not share evenly. I share a little bit for everybody else, and that gets distributed to the living room with decaf coffee. But in the kitchen, I share myself the biggest piece. If we're sharing in the divine nature of Jesus Christ, I double dog dare you to share a big old piece of his holiness, of his power, of his compassion, of his love for people. We need more Jesus in our lives. Less sin, more Jesus. More of his power more of his divine nature in our thinking, more of his divine nature in our speaking, and that we would not give in to the sinful human desires of this world. That verse 
messes with my head. And I think we should embrace it. Can we go back to the sermon? I left the sermon over here. This is the Ephesians chapter 1 verse. In fact, why don't you guys put that next slide up. We'll go back to that verse just to refresh ourselves that this is the message. That was a rabbit trail that, mess, that keeps me awake at night. This is the message. Come back over here. Ephesians chapter 1. He is the head. We are his body. If we really believe that the church is the body of Christ, we should be deeply involved in the church. In fact, it should be compulsory. It should not be an option for us. We should be interconnected into the body of Christ. It is an absolute must. Now, by the way, I didn't say we should attend a church once in a while when it's convenient. I said we should be deeply involved in the church. Why? Because if we really believe that the church is the body of Christ, and we really want to be connected to the vine, because that's where we grow strength from, and if we're not connected to the vine, we will not produce fruit and we will die, then I want to be as connected to the vine as possible. I want to be a part of the big cluster of grapes. Church is a must, not an option. Let's use more illustrations because the, the, the Bible uses so many illustrations for the church. Obviously, we did the vine, we did the body, but we also know that we are the sheep of his pasture. Jesus is our good shepherd. He protects us. He provides for us. He leads us. He speaks to us. We follow Jesus. This is what the Bible says. We are the sheep. Sheep are a herd animal with no natural defense system. So what do sheep do to protect themselves and protect one another? They flock together. They, they, get, they, get, they back up, they get their butts up against each other, shoulders against each other. Everybody's looking, hey, there's a wolf, there's a bad guy. We're going to protect each other. And I'll often hear people say, well, I just, Pastor, I just feel like I'm going through a spiritual desert, like I'm all alone out here. And I'm praying, but God is being silent. What, what you group are you in? Oh, pastor, I'm not involved in a you group this semester. I've just got so much going on. Oh, oh, cool, 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 no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. What dream team are you serving on? Oh, pastor, man, I've just been going through all this hard time. Just getting to church by 10 o'clock, man, that's, it's just so hard for me, pastor. Oh, okay, 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 okay. You're not in a desert, you're just not in community. Because when I read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God spoke a lot, but he did it through people. He rarely spoke audibly. He spoke through people. So when you live your life independent of people, God is still speaking. You're just not in a position to hear him speaking. And I will say this, we're using the sheep illustration. Josie's family for many years had a small farm in Sweden. And um, the guy from Washington, D.C. became a shepherd whenever we would spend chunks of time in Sweden. I got, you know, the son-in-law got drafted into sheep duty. I learned a lot about sheep those couple of years. But I will say this. We had wolves in Sweden, and we had a wolf fence. I don't know why we built a wolf fence, because I figured out wolves can jump over the wolf fence. That was a lot of money and time that was well spent. So it is my personal experience watching our small flock of sheep that the reason they flock together, because the sheep that would stand alone would get eaten. I don't want you to get eaten. I don't want you to get barked at by a wolf. I want you to be buried so deep into the flock of sheep that nothing can attack you. It's not a biblical illustration, but it's like being on the 
African savanna on the plains of Africa, and you have all these antelope that are eating, and then this cheetah is, is hunting. I've played you this video before, but I think you need to see it again. Our fall semester of U-Group start in a few weeks at the end of this month, and you being in a U-Group could possibly be the difference between your spiritual life and death. And that website actually isn't live yet. It'll go live next week. But if you're new to our church, being in a U group, it's an uncommon group. It's, a, it's like a little church, five people, six people, ten people. Uh, some of them meet in the morning. Some of them, most of them meet in the evenings, you know, Monday, Thursday night, you know, Saturday morning. And this fall, we actually have more U groups available to you than ever before in the history of our church. We have 24 different groups for you to choose from. And man, I want to thank, there's more than 50 leaders that'll be leading those 24 groups. I want to thank you men and women for stepping up and being leaders in our church. I'm asking you, here's my big ask. If you're not connected to this church, if you're not connected to the body, I double dog dare you to get involved in a you group this fall semester. Why? Because real life change happens in the context of authentic relationships. My sermons are amazing but they're not nearly enough to help you to really grow strong in your faith. In fact, I'll put it to you this way. If you can name for me the titles of my last 10 sermons, I'll give you $100. You can't do it because my wife can't do it. And she pretended to like them and say they were good sermons. I preached them and I don't know the titles of the last 10 sermons that I wrote. That's how good they were. But. If you have been in a you group for a whole semester, I'll bet you $100 you can name 10 people that have encouraged you and spoken into your life and been a blessing to you. Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself from you groups seeks his own desires. And I love the writer of Proverbs, he calls you stupid. He says, you rage against all wise judgment. I didn't write the Bible, I'm just reading it to you. You saying the Bible calls me stupid if I don't go to your group? I love this one. Oh, I don't need to like go to church every week and I don't need to like go to your little groups at people's creepy houses. I'll just like have my own church at home. I'll just read my utmost for his highest when I'm on the toilet every day. Remember the pinky that got cut off? It didn't make it. The Bible says you're raging against all wise judgment if you've isolated yourself from the rest of the body. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. He said, it's with Christ's body. We're all many parts that make up the body, but we belong to each other. The body of Christ, we belong to each other. Look at your neighbor on your right and say, you need me. Look at your neighbor on your left and say, I need you. By the way, if you were single, fellas, I just gave you an opportunity. You look at that girl, you'd be like, baby, I need you. Baby, you need me. I'm trying to help you, fellas. I'm trying to help you. So all of our groups are going to be posted next week on the website. Let me give you a few testimonies of you groups from last semester. These are people sitting next to you, sent these in to us. 
My U group gave me the ability to ask questions about my faith to people of faith. We got this one from a member of one of our marriage groups. We learned that our marriage actually isn't that different from most other couples. There were things that we had to work through and things that other people had already worked through to help us. And then I think it was a different testimony from the same marriage group. It said, we started to build a marital support system because we shared with one another in confidence. One woman wrote, she said, I felt a, f a sense of belonging because our you group helped me when I was struggling and I needed an ear to listen and a hug and then the ability to reciprocate that to other people. Another woman in a beloved, one of our beloved women's Bible studies, she said, I now read and understand the Bible in a whole new way because I'm experiencing how we discuss the Bible verse by verse. We broke it apart word by word instead of just skimming over it in a big chapter. Another person said, the U group became a family to me. We care for each other. We learn from each other, whether it's meals together or meals for the sick, whether we're celebrating someone else's birthday or we're celebrating communion. A U group leader wrote this last semester. I've seen people who wouldn't otherwise be friends outside of a Sunday morning. They're now becoming each other's support systems, which has allowed them to build authentic relationships. One of the men from one of our men's groups said this, we're guys that help each other do things in our lives. If somebody needs help with a ride, we got it. If somebody needs cash right away, we got it. If somebody needs a car repaired, we got it. Somebody puts out a prayer request, I know that other men will be praying for me. Knowing that that testimony came from a guy, for some reason I, I read that testimony like in a New York mobster accent in my head. I don't know why, but it was like, hey, forget about it, we got it, you know? You need a ride, I got you. You need money, I got your money right here. You need prayer, I'm gonna lay hands on you. I don't know why that's where my mind went, but that's, that's how I read those in my head. Lately, we've been stirred to pray for revival here at our church like an awakening in the mid-cities, that God would awaken his church, that thousands of people would get born again. It sounds like much fruit, but remember the Lord wants to build fruit that remains. And if we're not a part of a revival community, we can't say, Lord, I want revival, because he's gonna say, yeah, I, I need a stronger foundation for that revival to sit on, or it's gonna crush you. I've studied the history of revivals in the church over the last 2,000 years, and it's my opinion, the Lord is happy to bring a season of awakening, a season of empowering, a season of signs and wonders and miracles and souls being saved, but he'll only give it to the extent that there is a foundation to support it. And a healthy community is that foundation. God is actually attracted to healthy community. In fact, Jesus said it's how we demonstrate that we are Christians. In John 13, he said, if you love one another, that's going to prove to the world that you're my disciples. Did you notice it didn't say your church building is gonna prove that you're a disciple? Your, your, your church Instagram isn't gonna prove that you're disciples? That the, the worship, the music isn't gonna prove that you're disciples? It's how well we love one another and how well we embrace each other, that's how we prove that we're a part of the move of God. He is attracted to the way we love one another. He is attracted to our community. And if we will build a, a healthy revival community, heaven will be attracted to that. 
God, yes, God loves to impact the one. Please don't misunderstand me. But when he can pour himself out in multiplied measure and impact countless, that's a better use of his investment. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. How do we sharpen iron? By rubbing up against each other, by making each other better. And there's how we prove, how we demonstrate the love of God. When we, and I don't just mean we go to church together. Psalm 133 says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Notice that he used, when we dwell together, when we live together, not just pass each other by in the foyer. You can't dwell with somebody if you don't know their name. And one of the problems is we need to change the mindset of the church from being a consumer to being a contributor. I have this crazy thought about church. What if we didn't come to church every week only looking to be ministered to, but instead we would come to church looking for opportunities to minister to one another, that we would give more than we take except from his presence. When we're in worship and you lift your heart and you lift your voice and you lift your hands, you can take as much of his love and as much of his presence as you want. There's more than enough. But at Uncommon Church in our growth track, we have this expression that every member is a minister. So my job as, as a pastor in this church is, is not to do the work of the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Paul told the church in Ephesus in chapter four, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. By the way, Josie and I are a gift to you. You're welcome. <laughs> Their responsibility, my responsibility, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ. So it sounds to me like God's master plan is for you to do the work of the ministry. And I'm your cheerleader. I'm your, your drill instructor. I'm your coach saying you can do it. Go out into your workplace. Go out into your schools. Go out into your Kroger. Go to your dog park and preach Jesus. This can't just happen on a Sunday morning. We have to take this out all day, every day. And how well we pray for one another, encourage each other, prophesy over each other, pray for healing for one another, serve one another. We have this expression here that saved people serve people. Can I just little, take another little rabbit trail? If you're not serving on a team regularly right now, we need you so desperately. Because if we're gonna build a bigger basket for God to pour out a harvest into, the dream teams are the basket. And if you're a part of this church, but you're not serving on a team, there's a hole in the basket that grain is trickling through. We need you. Saved people serve people. We can't reach more people unless we have more help. You already have a place at the table, but there are other people that are waiting to get seated. And how well we serve is how much room we make for other people. Here, let me give you a real practical example. If I was gonna have Josh and Lene over for dinner, Josie and I actually make a pretty mean lasagna. And we would have them, oh, hey, six o'clock, great. Earlier in the day, we start prepping, right? And we're gonna make our lasagna. But then Ira calls and he says, hey, remember those 50 U group leaders? I've invited them all to your house for dinner. Okay, cool, 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 no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Bring them over, but I'm gonna need you to get three or four people from the events team to come to my house. We're gonna do folding tables. We gotta do the, the big um, 
tray things, sterno tray things. What are those freaking chafing dishes? Thank you, Craig. We got to do some chafing dishes. We're still going to have lasagna, but it's going to take a little bit more work. And then the Lord says, nah, fam, I'm bringing all 500 members of Uncommon Church to your house. And they all want lasagna because that's what you were going to give to Josh and Lene. Okay, no problem. But I'm going to have to call a catering company. And we're going to need the entire dream team, events dream team, to set up tons and tons of tables. We're still going to eat lasagna, but it's going to take a lot more people to produce that meal. The more people that are serving on teams, the more people we can reach in our community. The more people we can have in the parking lot, the more ushers we can have, the more worship team, the more tech team, the more kids workers, the more welcome team, the more prayer team. At Uncommon Church, our vision is to know God, to grow strong in our faith, and then to do exactly what God has called and created us to do. You groups is how we do all three. We're not a church that has small groups. No, we are a church that is made up of small groups. You can tell that I invited these guys up way too early. But that's on me, not them. I gave, they came at my cue. My cue was wrong. Y'all just hang out. I got one more portion of the scripture to read and they're gonna like it. How do you join a dream team, my wife says. If you have not yet completed growth track, growth track one is where you begin and it is always the first Sunday of the month. So the first Sunday of October, you join Growth Track 1 and work your way through Growth Track. Today is the second Sunday of August, so today is Growth Track 2 after service. No, you can't start with Growth Track 2. You gotta wait a couple more weeks for Growth Track 1. Today is Growth Track 2 if you're a part. We had 15 people in Growth Track this month joining our church. We're excited about that. If you have completed Growth Track a couple of years ago, maybe it was before COVID, you were serving on the welcome team, COVID hit, you're back in church, but you're not back serving. No problem. You can join a team today. There's a QR code at the connect table in the lobby. Just go out to the lobby and scan the QR code to search for the teams and join. Welcome team, tech team, worship team, usher team, prayer team, kids team, all the teams. Why? Why is this so important? Because Ecclesiastes chapter four says, I'm gonna tell you the case of the man who was all alone. He didn't have a child, didn't have a brother working with him. He worked as hard as he could, he got as much money as he could, and then he asked himself, dude, what am I working for? Why would I give up so much pleasure now? It makes life seem so meaningless and depressing. Just leave that verse up for a second. I don't think COVID-19 was the biggest health crisis of our generation. Don't get me wrong, COVID-19 was awful, millions of people died, but if you look at statistically, less than 1% of the people that got COVID died from COVID. And the heart-wrenching thing, it was the elderly, it was the most vulnerable. It was awful. But in spite of it, because less than 1% died, I don't think it was the biggest health crisis. I think social distancing was the biggest health crisis of our generation. Depression, suicide, anxiety, alcohol and drug abuse, pornography abuse, through the roof. In October of 2020, more people in Japan committed suicide than died of COVID in the entire year of 2020 in Japan, in one month. It made life meaningless and depressing. Why? Because that man was alone. But keep reading. Verse 9, hey, two people, much better than one. 
They can help each other out. There is an instant multiplied effect when you're not alone. Being a part of a, of a, a team of two people, being a part of a you group of two people is better than you being alone. Because if a person falls, that other person can help reach, pick them up. But the person that falls alone, not on a dream team, not in a you group, they are in real trouble. Listen, sometimes we fall down, we stub our toe, we lose a loved one, we get sick, we lose a job, we lose a child, we lose a marriage, we've fallen down. If you do it alone, it's almost impossible to get back up. The Bible says you're in real trouble. But if you're doing your life with another member of faith, they can lift you up. Keep reading. Two people, if they're lying close together, you're gonna to keep each other warm. But how can one person be kept warm all by themselves? Too many Christians live their life spiritually cold because they're not close enough to any other person who has a heart and fire for revival burning in their soul to help keep them warm. So their little flame just flickers out and they grow cold. A person standing alone, they can be attacked, they can be defeated, but two people that stand back to back, well actually they're gonna conquer. And then he ups it, he says, nah fam, three people, much better than one, much better than two, because a triple braided cord cannot easily be broken. That's why they weave ropes together into bigger ropes, because it makes us stronger when we're interwoven together. The longer I do this as a pastor, Josie and I were youth pastors for many years, the hardest thing in the world for us is when people distance themselves, they stop coming regularly, they're not plugged into a team, they're not going to a group, their heart grows cold, they walk away from their faith, they get conquered by the things of this world. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if they were plugged into the church, they were, they were, if they really believed that Jesus' body is his church, then they would not treat it as optional, but they would plug themselves in, they would be serving on a team, they'd be involved in a group, and we would surround you when you struggle. We would help you. There's so many churches that didn't make it after COVID. Our church grew through COVID, but a lot of churches didn't make it. Their rope snapped. And it left people hopeless. And it, it's like you're in a family that the family moved out, parents divorced and you went off to college and you're all alone. You feel so lonely in this world. Psalm 68 says that God will put the lonely in a family and he'll lead prisoners out with singing. Why would a, a prisoner be singing? Because they're not in that jail cell alone. They've got family members that are with them. Uncommon Church is a family for you to belong to. Dream teams are a family for you to do chores in. You groups are you a family for you to grow strong in. So why don't we push back against the gates of hell and grow a strong family? Hop up on your feet. You know, we've got 24 groups for the fall semester, but it's actually not too late to lead a group. Maybe God's been speaking to you about leading a group, and here's how to lead a group. If you have completed growth track, and you have completed a semester of being a part of another U group, you've completed growth track, and you've completed a semester of U group, we're making this semester super duper easy. At the end of the month, I'm starting an eight-week series on renewing the mind. And we're gonna have a couple of U groups that meet during the week to watch a video 
and go through a leader's guide and questions and answers and activation, we've made it super easy for you to lead a group in your community to go through this eight-week curriculum. And I'll preach it on Sunday, and then you'll have the material in your hand that week. It's the easiest way to start leading a group. If you'd like to do that, talk to Pastor Ira today so we can get your you group set up. Can I go back to my rabbit trail verse? Because you thought it was a separate little message, but look, I do this for a living. Second Peter chapter one, verse that mess with my head. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Not a sinful life, not a hypocritical life, not a weak and fearful, anxious life, not a sickly life, but a godly life. And how did we get all this? We received all of these things by coming to know him, to know Jesus, the one who called us to himself by means of his glory and excellence. Jesus is calling us to himself. And the Bible says that we are to know him. Now in in English, we have two words for know. We can know something with our head, but we can also know something with our heart intimately. We all know President Biden, but I doubt that anybody knows President Biden. You know what I'm saying? You have head knowledge, you do not have heart knowledge. You're not allowed to just stroll into the White House and kick your feet up on the couch. Why? Because you have head knowledge, not heart knowledge. Too many people in America, too many people in Texas, too many Christians that even attend churches, they only have head knowledge of Jesus. They really haven't embraced heart knowledge of Jesus. They have not accepted his invitation to his divine nature. They might go to a church once in a while, but they have not completely surrendered their lives to Jesus. Imagine yourself up at Caesarea Philippi with the disciples, the 12 disciples, these men that had walked with Jesus all over Israel and seen him perform signs and wonders and miracles. And he looks and says, who do you say that I am? Uh, 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 (laughs) uh, mm, uh." And Peter said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're my savior. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bet, I I can do something with that. I'm gonna build my church on that. And I feel like Jesus is looking at each one of us today and he's saying, who do you say that I am? Am I this religious icon for you? Am I this Santa Claus in the sky that just gives you stuff? Or is there an intimate personal relationship that we have been invited into? We're gonna have to die to our old life. We're gonna have to die to our sin. We're gonna have to ask him to forgive us but he will adopt us into his family that God would be our father. That in this family, we're not alone. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that fight for us, that pray for us, that encourage us, that protect us. That we would embrace the divine nature of Jesus himself. That we would stop sinning and that we would get to know him personally. Listen, if you're here this morning or maybe you're watching online and you're not right with God, I would like to lead you in prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and get right with God today. I I can't pray it for you, but I can help lead you. You've got to believe it in your heart. And what did we talk about last week? You've got to pray it out loud. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You will be adopted into the family. You'll no longer be a sinner. You'll be a saint. You'll no longer be an orphan. You'll be a child of the Most High God. Remember, I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you in that prayer. If you're here this morning or you're watching online, your heart's pounding out of your chest right now. You know that you need to get right with God. You know that you've got to get reconnected to the vine. 
you know that your little grape has been getting all shriveled up and it's about to get thrown into the fire. Get connected to Jesus today and produce much fruit. I'm not even talking about church. I'm not talking about teams. I'm not talking about groups. I'm talking about Jesus, that you would surrender your life to Jesus, that you would grab a hold of that vine. If that's you this morning and you need to get right with God, it might be the first time in your life you've ever prayed this prayer. Or for a lot of people, I find it's been a minute and they've allowed their heart to grow cold. They've allowed their, 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 their fire in their heart to grow cold. So it might be the first time, but for a lot of people, it's the first time in a long time. They need to get right with God again. If you're here this morning and there's sin in your life and you're not right with God, I want to pray for you. I'd like to know who I'm praying for. Even if you're sitting at home, watching on the couch by yourself, if you need to get right with God, whether you're here in the room or watching at home, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Come on. Good. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, at home, I didn't forget about you. Three people raised their hand and said, Preacher, I'm going to get right with God today. Right there in your living room. Just shoot your hand up between you and God and say, I've got to pray this prayer. I've got to get right with God today. Why don't we all pray this prayer? For those that are watching at home online, for the three that raised their hand, can we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, out loud, say, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I repent and I change the way I think. I change my nature to embrace your divine nature. Connect me to your vine that I would produce much fruit. Connect me to your body that I would have others in my life to protect me, to fight for me, to help me. Lord, help me to grow in my faith, to put down deep roots, to grow strong, and to do what you've called me to do. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of my soul. Jesus, you are the Son of the living God and I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name. What do you say, church, amen? Amen. What about for those three? What about for those three? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Yay, God, yay, God, yay, God. If you're watching at home and you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the name, the word, Jesus, to 817-405-2244. All that does is send you an auto-response form please fill out that form and click submit. We want to begin to pray for you and encourage you in your walk with God. We also have this Jesus wall over here and every single one of these light bulbs, really only a couple of spots left, are people just like you that that surrendered their life to Jesus here in the room or here at home and we want to write your name with a sharpie on a light bulb and screw it into that Jesus wall. If you're here this morning, Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.